Hello, everyone. Since this is either a highlight, a standalone book, or the first episode in a series, I'm jumping in to remind you what the rules are for this podcast. First rule is no real people stories. That means that any details from our own lives are merely anecdotal. We do not read books about real people, and we are not reading historical fiction. The second rule is that we are basing our analyses off of how the author treats characters and what they put them through. We are not judging the accuracy of the trauma, the accuracy of any actual conditions that may be portrayed, nor the authenticity of a character's reaction to that trauma or that particular condition. This podcast is for entertainment purposes only. The hosts are not trained professionals, and their opinions come solely from personal experience. In this episode, we discuss fictional depictions of trauma and violence that may not be suitable for all audiences. Please take care of yourselves. Specific content warnings for each episode can be found in the show notes. Events in the media are discussed in approximate order of escalation. This episode contains spoilers. And I'm Robin, and on this episode of Books That Burn, we are discussing A Strange and Stubborn Endurance by Foz Meadows. The, for the description of this book from the publisher, we have, uh, begins with a quote from the book, Stolen me, as soon to say a caged bird can be stolen by the sky. Velison Vin Aro never planned to marry at all, let alone a girl from neighboring Tithania. When an ugly confrontation reveals his preference for men, Vel fears he's ruined the diplomatic union before it can even begin. But while his family is ready to disown him, the Tithani envoy has a different solution, for Vel to marry his former intended's brother instead. Cathari Eduria always knew he might end up in a political marriage, but his sudden betrothal to a man from Ralia, where such relationships are forbidden, comes as a shock. With an unknown faction willing to kill to end their new alliance, Vel and Kay have no choice but to trust each other. Survival is one thing, but love, as both will learn, is quite another. Yeah, I I love I love this book so much. Uh so I So I had already read it a month before the record, and so it was like, oh, like it's I read this last month. We're about to record the episode. I don't need to reread it again. And the night before, I was like, okay, so actually I'm going to reread it again because it's great. <laughs> and I really love this book. Uh, so that's that's where I am with this. Uh, I don't know if you had any uh, pre-topic thoughts before we get into our first topic. That's mine. Oh. Uh... Nah. I mean, pre-topic thoughts aren't a usual thing. No. I just really, <laughs> really love this book. Okay, so for our first topic, and we're just doing two topics this time because um, we found two topics that are big enough and complicated enough that we want them to have enough space and not try to fit a third topic in. And the first of those two is Social Isolation 
with um, some uh, interesting flavors of ableism and classism playing into it, but we're focusing on the social isolation aspect of it for Merkel, who is Velison's uh, friend. Like, exactly what words to use to describe themselves to each other end up being shaped a lot by class. But over the course of the book, over and over, it's like, no, like this is this is his best friend. Um yeah. I don't know if you wanted to briefly intro this or if you'd like me to. I'm good with whichever. Uh I can intro it. So okay. um our character is mute but able to hear. Yes. And mute but not deaf. Mute but not deaf. And also sp- speaks two languages, at least. Mm-hmm. Three, technically, if you count the sign language. Uh, yeah. Not actually sure if that one is fluency. I would generally say that that... I would generally say that, like, that is knowing a third language. Well, like, uh, yeah. And no, it, it is... I was just yeah. trying to determine in my head um, if they are fluent in it or if, if they have enough signs to sign with the one person they talk to. Um, and I don't actually know if we have like concrete specific evidence for that. Given um, the yeah, number of speak- times that they have lengthy conversations with each other all in sign, I would venture okay. to say that at this point in their lives, both, both Markle and okay. Vellison are fluent in in the form of sign language that they use. Okay. So yeah. So speaks three languages or understands two and speaks one or speaks. I mean, three, he, whatever. he, I think um, writes two and speaks one potentially. Does he write in both? That understands. I, I, tell. I don't know. The, 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 um, but anyways, multi, yes. uh, multilingual, multilingual. Um, yeah. and, um, but has a, a pretty reoccurring issue where, uh, people don't either bother to take the time to communicate with them or, uh, Velasen and, um, I'm blanking on names Cathari. today, Jesus. Cathari. You can call them K and Val. That's not better. <laughs> okay. Uh, Velasen and Cathari, um, deliberately encourage the perception that, Kathari is unable to understand that Markle is word. unable to. Markle, what? Who? Where did Kathari come Kay from? Are the couple? Sorry. Oh, you're pronouncing that way different than I was. I'm pronouncing it like the audiobook. I, I don't no experience with that. <laughs> uh, Markle is unable to understand spoken language. So sometimes this is an isolating thing, just because of either ableist or classist or just not considerate people in their vicinity and sometimes this is a deliberate ruse um but uh because of those various factors um markle's pretty isolated pretty unable to communicate generally speaking especially in the country where the two of them grew up and they uh so he has the one friend (laughs) in in velasen who is also his liege basically his employer and we we kind of get to the start of the book and it's passed off of just like the way that it 
is. It's kind of an assumption that, you know, that people aren't going to take the time or that there will be specific reasons to deliberately deceive people in their lives just for information's sake and, you know, potential political safety and things like that. But once they move to the country where Kay is from, um, suddenly people bother to kind of take an interest in Markle and make sure that they're comfortable and make sure that they're heard and understood. And it changes the character, (laughs) changes their like just on screen outgoingness and allows them to, you know, ask for particular things that they want without feeling like they're blowing their cover. Um, we, we just see and, this very profound change in how the character portrays themselves in front of other people. And I think the way I might, the way that it's characterized um, was that in Ralia, people assumed that because he was a servant, he wasn't, he couldn't have anything worthwhile to say. And then additionally, right. Because he was mute, they assumed that that meant he couldn't hear or is unintelligent. And so when that's the baseline, Markle and Bellison didn't correct those people on the fact that actually he could understand. And so that's the context in which previously they didn't let on that he understood a lot more than people assumed. Um and then also even in Tithania, they um like they note which grooms like ignore him and treat him like he's not gonna right. or which like people ignore him and treat him like he's not gonna be able to understand. But people who um for those who are approaching him um without that and um trying to work around the language barrier that they assume exists, but still trying to talk to him. Right. For for those people, he then says, actually, I, I, I do know your language, and yes, I will teach you signs. And, and initially, uh, <laughs> he deliberately offers to communicate and teach uh, mm-hmm. the, the sign language to Kay. But then messes up in front of somebody that wasn't supposed to know that he spoke the other language, the current native language where they were. Mm-hmm. Uh, oh, that was something else too, is that in this, in this new place Didn't for the two of them. know he understood it. Yeah. Yeah. They are, they're putting up a ruse that he can speak or can understand uh, their native language, but not the language of the current culture. Uh-huh. And he, he messes up. He accidentally lets on that he knows what is being said when he's had intentionally been not, point not letting people have this knowledge uh-huh. um and it's such a funny moment in the character scene because both uh val and, and um i can't do names today what is his name again val and k k or mark no, markle is the markle. guy markle is the guy um, with mutism both both um val and markle are like wait wait no hold on oops uh-oh <laughs> That wasn't the intentional. That wasn't the plan. We didn't want to do that. And then they kind of go, okay, actually, no, you know what? Never mind. That's fine. This is a, this feels better and safer. And it's probably okay that, that, you know, um, 
but there's there's this moment of slight panic on screen which is kind of amusing um as both characters kind of realize that you know they're they're <laughs> the ruse is up and yeah. that that's not typical this is not something that either of the two of them normally slips on yeah like but also like part of why they slip is because he's really really comfortable with this other person uh, yeah um, yeah exactly yeah it's comfortable and safe and so it's fine yeah like it ends up genuinely actually being fine um which also made this one like an interesting topic to discuss because like a a lot of what is like a genuine worry for them in the book ends up working out a lot better than they thought it would and with Markle in particular having a lot more control about yes. his access to communication and um like he says you know like I'll I'll teach you I'll teach K signs and you know I'll teach anyone who wants to learn it because mm-hmm. I think implicit in that is that he has this opportunity in this place that doesn't have the same kinds of class barriers that had constrained him before there's an opportunity to also remove um to to not hide behind some of the ableist assumptions because like even if he'd fought the ableism in Ralia, the classism would still have been like just as much as a barrier and so now in the space with not necessarily less classism but right different and in a way that <laughs> seems more conducive to flourishing um like there's class, but there isn't as much classism. Um, well, well, and also not, or not at least in the same kind of constraining way. And so there's mm-hmm. there's more space for him to explore this. Not that this other society is by any means perfect. Like it doesn't <laughs> it doesn't do that at all. No, the, no, it's, it's just, just different. The, their problems are different, and their problems are easier for him personally to navigate. Well, um, and and also. Um, uh th- there's also kind of this acknowledgement i think too so uh part of the reason that markle doesn't really i guess try to fight fight it back in there when they were growing up is that a lot of it is is keeping communication between himself and val secret and so to keep both of them safe because they right. can talk about things that are taboo or grounds for you know banishment and social degradation and 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 other things um without worry that you know somebody will understand or somebody will will eavesdrop and there's kind of this i guess ex- implicit acknowledgement that it's okay because these particular things specifically homophobia but mm-hmm. you know other dangers that were true and 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 there is very real threats to val back home are not an issue here. And so if somebody eavesdrops, well, it's not going to result in somebody being either killed or kicked out of home and, you know, left to starve. Like, that's just not going to happen. That threat isn't there anymore. Right. Because also they're in this context in Ralia where 
in order to have secret communications, the nobles have taken up speaking a different country's language as a fashion. <laughs> and so yeah. I think implicit is Markle not wanting his signs to be the latest fashion that a bunch of hearing people are using. Oh, yeah. And then for still sure. not talking to him because of class stuff. Like they learned it from a book and a fisherman. Um, like they, they learned it from like this written resource. And then I think to me, what seemed implicitly like, if I had, like, we don't know that this fisherman was a member of the deaf community yeah. or whatever the equivalent was in this world, but it definitely wasn't a noble, um, <laughs> specifically. And so like getting around that class barrier, like I, I don't, I think it would have been really, really terrible if, their, their hand signs had become the latest fad language for right. the nobles to take up. Like, that right. would have been really bad. But Tithania doesn't have... Doesn't really do that. <laughs> doesn't yeah. have that attitude toward other people. Yeah, it doesn't have that, yeah. like, already ongoing thing. Well, and, and also, I think, to that point, the implication and explicit reasoning given when somebody inquires about learning this is either... I want to communicate with you or I have a practical application reason that this would be a helpful thing to know and not as you're saying, because it's the latest fashion. Um, I think the only example of that's not just, I want to communicate with you personally. And so I want to learn this that we see in the book is when one of the military officers comes up and it says, Hey, that would be really useful in situations where soldiers can't talk. Huh? Any, any yeah. chance that I could, you know, also learn this just for other people's safety and like, as a, but again, as a tool to use and not as a, as a fun thing to be, uh, make yourself seem interesting. Right. Uh, anything else? I don't think that, I think that's mainly what I had for this one. I'm very excited for our next topic. <laughs> On to our second, and in this case, final topic, because we're just doing two, intimate partner violence. Now, what I want to say very specifically is this is not violence in between the two main love interests. Like, it's not. I would just like to categorically, in a non-spoiler way, (laughs) just say that is not what we're talking about. Um, But there is an assault from Vel's ex. Um, who has been his ex for like a day when the assault happens. And so I'm like, okay, nope. I part of what's going on is this person breaking boundaries, but also there had been this previous context of a relationship. Um, so just broadly speaking, put this under intimate partner violence. Cause there's also some, some things that Velison is afraid might happen but don't that also fall into this umbrella. And so we're just wrapping it up all under this label. Um, so one of the things that's going on, we've mentioned like that there's these two countries and that Vel came from Relia to Tithania and he be coming from a homophobic and seems like implicitly misogynist, at least among the nobility, this homophobic and misogynist environment 
where women, especially so specifically noble women, are married off to secure alliances, um, there's kind of a de facto expectation that marital rape just will happen and isn't a problem. Um, And is, in fact, expected when you're a couple is cishet. That they're, that one, that all the couples will be cishet. That that And that they're, the marriage doesn't count unless it's consummated. Um, And just this, this whole pile of things that add up to, um, women being um feeling either either literally or just whether or not any individual woman feels sold off to the highest bidder that culturally the expectation is that even if that is what happens it is cool fine and good and there's nothing bad to see here please move on folks um so not not even that just it's so normal that even saying nothing to see here would be suspicious and weird. <laughs> right, right. And so Velison, as a gay man marrying a man, he, he, there's, a, there's a lot of moments where the, the only way that he knows to think of himself is as a Raleighan bride because... right. A Raleighan man would not marry a man, and so he doesn't know he doesn't know how to conceptualize himself. But also, deeply unfortunately, that ends up meaning that he thinks, oh, just like a Raleighan bride, my new partner is going to rape me and not see that it's a problem. Mm-hmm. Um, exacerbated rape me, control the fact- me, financially control me, et cetera, et cetera. Right. That anything that he does would be on this new partner's sufferance. Um, that he would be allowed to do things, best case scenario, encouraged to have a hobby, um, but that he would be expected <laughs> to perform sexually on the other person's timetable. Um, oh, I and- do want to point out also, like, mm-hmm. this is not just um, coming from him just assuming that he'll have this place in their partnership and not you know say that his husband would be in that wife role and be subservient he specifically puts himself in this position because one aftermath from the rape but also two the it starts out when his dad is saying hey you're gonna you know be married off to this place in this foreign country um Starts, you know, he st- starts the conversation and Val assumes um, you're going to, you know, we're doing this because you increased my allowance, question mark. And so I can afford to support a wife. And his dad goes, oh, no, your wife is going to support you because That's I don't point. have the money. And so even when there was an implication of it being a, a cishet marriage, he was already being being put in a subservient position because they didn't have the money. Right, and, and so then when in, it changed to be a a gay marriage, he was stuck mentally in the oh no, <laughs> you know am, now my spouse has all the power. I am the partner who brings a political tie, but very very little money right. to this arrangement, and so he's seeing himself 
And also, like, he's the one who had to move to the other person's yes. country. So, like, there's a whole there's lot so of reasons. There's so many places where mm-hmm. the power dynamic is not in his favor and he's fully aware of it. Right. And because those uneven power dynamics in his own country are so tied up with sexual mm-hmm. identity, mm-hmm. he doesn't know how to conceptualize himself except in this way that has all sorts of really, really unfortunate implications. And so because um, in, in like, I think it's the second chapter of the book, he is um, assaulted and raped by the per- by someone he broke up with like the yeah. day before the book began yeah. like he's literally fleeing the house that he was in because he Fle- broke up with this his person parents fl- or his dad fleeing yeah. that ex fleeing this the culture that yeah you know is oppressing like there's yeah but even then, like, I'm saying even before it turns out that he's fleeing his dad, before that, true, yeah. he's, he's, he's fleeing this ex, and the ex follows him and then assaults him. Yeah. And um, that ends up getting witnessed by people who don't want, in one case, doesn't realize it as an, as it's an assault. And in the other Couple case, cases, even if I he'd think. realized, well, even the, in the case of his father, even if he had realized it was an assault, he wouldn't care because his main concern would be this was a gay thing and that's gross. Um, right. And so he, he sent away with people not realizing that the thing that clued him in that he preferred men, one, it could have been totally possible for it to not be a preference. Luckily, they did, like, actually check that. They're like, you know, <laughs> hey, do you like women? And it was like, no, I, I just like men. Like, he did get asked yeah. that. Um, but because of that, like, he had just been assaulted by a partner and then is handed off to a new partner he's never met. And with all this stuff, he assumes that he's going to get assaulted. And... One of the things that I like about this book and this particular portrayal of this dynamic is that through this experience, he ends up, while processing his own situation, having a lot of empathy he hadn't previously had the context to realize for women back in his own country. Um I liked that. Well, and then and there's, I, there's implications that he was kind of working through that particular thing even before mm-hmm. this happened. For sure. Um, but he still has lapses where he goes, oh, whoop, oh yeah. <laughs> and You and put a also, woman in that role? Oh, yeah, okay. I, I, could, I have the background to process this. I just have to get there. Yeah. Like, he keeps being surprised that there's women in these positions of power, not because he doesn't think they right. should be there, but because he implicitly right. kind of still has the assumption that the society wouldn't let them get there. But and surprised he- for 10 seconds and not, like, three days. Right, right. Um, and w- one of the other things that I like about how this is is handled is that once the... Um, once his Tithanian partner realizes that this is the misunderstanding that happens, he takes steps to address on a systemic level as much as he can um, 
to try and make sure that this misunderstanding between these two countries doesn't happen again, regardless of the genders of the pairings that they're that no one else because like, there might be women who marry to Raleigh and women who marry to Thanian men and are concerned that this is going to happen to them or like, regardless of the genders involved. Um, they want to make sure that people who are inter that Tithanians who are interfacing diplomatically with Ralia and negotiating these contracts make sure that this misunderstanding never happens again yeah. because it could be deadly and it almost was deadly um, because of how much Velison uh, did not want to have that happen to him again, or or even could lead could be potentially deadly if a, if their spousal abuser. Right, because also, even if, like, the envoy makes it super clear that this isn't okay, and then it turns out there was a Tithanian partner who did do something, like, having right. set the expectation that, like, hey, like, in this country, this isn't okay, you can go to somebody, you can say something. Um, like, I mean, obviously, the book doesn't go into quite this detail. Um, well, I mean, the book does address, like, mar- or, um, divorces the highest of scandal in one place and just kind of fine in the other, like right. it, it, there's some implications there where, you know, in, in, in the one country you, you have no options. And if you mm-hmm. are, if you are the woman in the pairing, you are, you're stuck and that's it. And, you know, you only divorce if it's a life you're allowed to. Yeah. <laughs> but in the other, no, if your husband's mistreating you, you can just walk. <laughs> If your and wife you is can, mistreating you, you can just leave and you don't even, you can have, you have a no fault divorce basically, or you can, you can in court blame them for mm-hmm. doing something that was not okay. Yeah. And if, if a chem who's your partner, like same thing, just, you know, yeah. gender and discriminate in that. Yeah. Um, chem is their, um, non-binary. Their, yeah. Their third gender term. Um, yeah. It seems to equate pretty closely to non-binary. Um, yeah, it, um, I just, there's so many things I really like about how this is handled. Um, I think, um, one more that we should put, we should put out there too, that's not a, well, I mean, maybe it's cultural, but specifically in this relationship, mm-hmm. um, they, they have this, so... Our our main character, who was the one who was assaulted, um, is the person driving his own context and boundaries for his own reactions. Um, mm-hmm. Now, to be fair, he's a nobleman. <laughs> and so there is a lot of, like, uh, he's just irritated today and kind of mean, um, which... You know, it's kind of excused in a way that, you know, it kind of seems like us servants are like, oh, yeah, okay, they are going to be like this sometimes. Um, especially if you're from, if you're a rally and nobleman. Um, mm-hmm. But from his partner, from his husband, um, it's it's not taken as, when, once his husband knows what is going on, it's not taken as, oh, you're being mean to me. It's taken as, hey... I have figured out already that this is an emotional reaction to something. And now I know what that something is. And so when I see you like this, I check in and see what you need. Um, And you can see more and more in the book. Um, 
he's actively intentionally checking in with Val. Yeah. And not just, hey, do you need a hug? But what do you need right now? Do you need Mm -hmm. sleep or food or me to hold your hand? Like, you need something and I can tell you're not all right. What is it? Or need me to not hold your hand? Exactly. Is the case several times. Yeah. Because, um. But that, but this is actually a really good book, a really good guide for how to treat someone who is gone through a traumatic event <laughs> like um and it do- doesn't have to be an, an emotional or sexual partner but just the the level of attention to detail on their boundaries even like this like Val is hurt a lot of the beginning of this book mm-hmm. is hurt in the leg he can't really walk on his own for like a good 24 hours um and the whole events of this book minus like two weeks of travel that is just kind of implied um, really kind of takes place in less than a week. I think it actually is a week once they arrive in Tithania because there's the marriage and then the gathering that is generally a week later, um, which is the final day. Yeah. So this whole book takes place in less than a month and we only get about a week of it on screen and for us, at least a day of that, our, our, one of our two main POV characters is injured and can't walk, but also doesn't want anyone to touch them. Yep. And, you know, you see people who are kind of like, hey, if we're going to move you from this place to this other place, the best way to do that is for me to just, like, support you and have you walk on one leg. That's currently our, our best option is that okay? And our and you, the character has the space to tell them no, and sometimes does, and then sometimes says yes, okay, that's fine. But then let go immediately as soon as I have somewhere else to sit. And and also um, on the the topic of having a, a character who finds themselves rather suddenly the partner of someone who has just been through this very traumatic experience, they also. Um, Kay also has to navigate getting Vel what he needs without breaking his confidence, um, which ends up being yeah. like without telling people who it is none of their business, um, yeah. what's happening, but also taking what measures are, are needed to get, um, to get Vel the help that he needs and the um the resolution that he needs as it relates to his abuser um because there's like a do you want to go through the courts there's this version of the courts there's that version of the courts and you know what what would you like us to do what solution right would be the closure that you need and then he listens to him and they do that as much as is possible. Um, yeah. I also like how like at its heart, this is a murder mystery. <laughs> it's a very good murder mystery. <laughs> it's a really cool murder mystery. It's almost a pre murder mystery. A little bit. It's a, someone keeps trying to stab people and we really, uh, need <laughs> we really to find out who them. it is. Yeah. We need to find out who it is so that they can't keep doing that. Um, yeah. And I, it it makes for this like interesting blend of like 
a really specific problem that they have to solve right now but can't delay, but also these complications from this other stuff that doesn't necessarily have a specific solution but does need to be mitigated on an ongoing basis. And just navigating that space, I think, is handled just really um, well. It's yeah. handled really well. Yep. So I have a question. Have you ever wanted to get into comics, but you just didn't know where to start? Well, welcome to Comics Quest. I'm JD Martin, and every week I sit down with a guest to talk a comic that I think anybody can pick up and start their comics reading journey. We take a look at psychedelic sci-fi, fantastical action, heart-wrenching love stories, and of course, superheroes. So check us out at certainpov.com or wherever you listen to your podcasts. On to the wrap-up and ratings for A Strange and Stubborn Endurance by Foz Meadows. For our gratuity rating for social isolation, is this mild, moderate, severe, or I guess backstory? Some of it's backstory. Some of it's back- I think, think it's moderate because some of it is intentional and consensual. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. Um, I feel I feel good about moderate for that. All right. Um, partner violence. Severe. Um, it is severe. I would like to note it is explicitly not torture porn. Yeah. Explicitly like, labeled as bad. Very specifically severe, but not meant to be enjoyed by the reader. Then trauma, integral, interchangeable, or irrelevant for social isolation. If we um, take that away, how much of the book is left? I, I think it's interchangeable. Okay. Um, because a large part of the social isolation is people not willing to, or not knowing to, one of the two, either being unwilling or not knowing it's an option, to slow down and just let the character write out a response. Um, right. And you could have taken that away and had them be not socially isolated and still kept the sign language as a pretty, like, exclusive thing. Like, mm-hmm. it did not have to be both. Like, maybe, you know, they they carry... They, they canonically already all carry the a notepad. They canonically already do oh, that. Oh, that's true. And they just yeah. don't use it when they don't want people to know they're listening. Um, yeah. So I, I think that's totally interchangeable. Okay. No, that, that makes sense. Um, so the intimate partner violence, that is, I think that's integral to the plot. Yeah. Like, it is, you can't, I don't, I think you have a fundamentally different story. Yes. Um, if that's removed. Um, cause also the way that that's addressed winds in just with a whole bunch of other things in the plot. Characters' motivations literally don't make sense without this information. Yeah. And the fact that yeah. they don't make sense without this information is addressed in the actual book. Yes. Um, <laughs> so yeah. History. This, yeah, so this is definitely, <laughs> yeah, this fun, fun mystery book. Um, <laughs> Uh, yeah, definitely integral. Okay. I think Was this may this... also be the longest title for a book we've had. Oh, don't worry. I can find a longer title if you want one. But yes, I think thus so far, so we've recorded, this is one of the longer ones. We've recorded two books today. And our first book had, I think, the longest list of 
trigger warnings that we've had so far in one recording. And this one, I think, has the longest title for a book that we've had so far in a recording. Um, potentially. It's possible that I'm forgetting one. But this is five words long. <laughs> um, anyways, sorry. Integral, interchangeable, irrelevant. Or is, no, no, no. We already did that, that one. Treated with care. Uh, yes. Enough. Not enough. No. Um, I think that, yeah, for the social isolation, I think it is. <sighs> I think it's either enough or yes, because again, it's consensual. Yeah. It's deliberate on some parts. But a, a lot of the stuff is backstory for some of the worst bits. Yeah, yeah. I think I'd go ahead and say, since we're not sure, I think it should put I, I enough. I mean, I think it's just yes. You think it's yes? I think it's just yes. I think the only reason it would just not be a yes is if somebody identifies so strongly with that isolation and is... And even though it's it's intentional on the part of the character being isolated, that's still not enough. But that's so specific that I don't think we can chalk that up to the book. I think that's a personal yeah. thing. So I think it's just yes. Okay. I'm, I'm good with that. All right. Then for the intimate partner violence, mm, I think, enough. yeah, I think enough. <laughs> um, Cause also um, the character doesn't so even realize it's happening in the moment. And it's almost an, an, an a retrospective, oh no, this is what's happened to me. And um, then there's so much intentional so, care by the other characters in treatment of this character later. So here's where I think we need to like pull back the curtain uh, slightly and say that you skipped reading the sex scenes because that's your preference. I did read and the first rape scene. I did read that. Oh, you you did actually read that. I did scene. actually okay, read that. All right. I skipped I, the I consensual three page sex scene later yeah 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 okay all right um but you you'd said that it, you'd refer to them both as like skippable without losing too much of the narrative so that had left uh, oh the, the first one is i just didn't skip it because it was so you short. didn't skip it okay all right then but yeah so um yeah so the the character understands that as it is happening he does not want this but it takes him a little bit longer to realize what words are appropriate for describing the extremely not okay thing that happened. Um, uh, but it's still, yeah. it's still couched in language that I think still makes it enough. I don't think it's an outright yes for that reason. Yeah. But I think it's still enough. I think enough. I will caution that it is severe. Um, as yes, we said absolutely. earlier for the gratuity. And so where that, what that, calculus is for any individual reader like that's why these are two separate ratings um for us uh yeah so i i do think there's enough care about this yeah um also you know that the consensual scene is really long for those who would like that um and the not okay scene is it's like two as paragraphs short, it's as short it's as so possible short. while while still conveying what happened yeah. so yeah i think to me that speaks a lot to care because it also means that for the characters there's like healing and aftercare associated with it and just all these things yeah. literally the whole book is just aftercare 
for this thing. Yeah. Then the moral directionality, clear, muddy, or tangled. I think pretty clear. Um, yeah, this is this is pretty clear. Um I mean, we have kind of two opposing sets of morals, but one of them is the better way to treat people and the other one is just in portrayed as bad. Um, yeah. But also um one thing I will say is that it is not a situation of a good country bad country. No. There's no, no, enough no. there's enough that's complicated. But even then, it's like, this country has some good and some bad, but which is the good and bad are pretty unambiguous. Um, and then the other country has, like, a different mix. Um, but yeah, so I think overall cleared, clear, I could see how someone might think it was tangled, but I do agree that generally it's clear. Yeah, All right. well, and I think that also when we have the other country that is doing something that's not so great... The text and the characters call them out so emphatically that it's not an instance of one is, like you're saying, one is the good and one is the bad country. It's just that the things that they do that are not okay are different. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, the treatment of the other human beings that is not okay is called out pretty explicitly in character and through context. Yeah. So. Definitely. All right. Point of view. For trauma and aftermath. Um, so we're alternating between the two main characters. Um, and so, but we don't get Markle's perspective specifically. And he's the one where social isolation is more of a thing. So we don't have the perspective of the character who's socially isolated. We do have the perspective of the character who experiences the intimate partner violence. Um, uh, yeah. And then... The aftermath is him and his new partner. We get each of those perspectives. Um, new partner was not violent partner. This is the wrap up. People right. might not have read the book. I would like to make that clear. <laughs> I had said that um, in our first topic, I think. Um, I'd said that earlier, but like the the violence is not between the two main characters. I want to make that super specific super clear um all right for the trope spotter uh this is abuse mistake in this particular case it is not played for laughs this trope can be either that um it's either it's either that there is an innocent mark that is taken as abuse and then it's kind of a joke or it's very seriously um you have clear signs of abuse that someone else writes off as something more innocent. Right. Which and is the so one in this is. case, <laughs> right. In this case, we have um, an assault that witnesses don't realize is an assault when they see it. So, and that's uh abuse mistake as a trope. All right. Uh, I try to keep um, sad things out of the tropes, but we really, it was hard to find one. It's for- also hard to find one here that we hadn't done very relatively recently like we did arrange we thought it robin suggested arranged marriage we did an arranged marriage like not too many books ago yeah know, we so that. try not to repeat look sorry i just really like that as a trope it's a oh no that's totally fair yeah um all right favorite non-traumatic thing about the book what what was your favorite what was it i genuinely like well done clues are there but they're not 
screaming, this is a clue. Um, books that lay groundwork so that you can figure out the thing the characters are trying to figure out too. Or at the very best, you're asking the questions that they are asking as well. And they're asked and it's good questions, not bad ones. Um, this is just kind of a really well done, like what's going on, figure it out thing. But also this is a fantasy setting with cultures that don't really exist. And yet there were still several points reading it where I was like, oh no, that's a thing that doesn't add up in your fake world. And then a pa- less than a page later, the characters were like, hey, wait a minute. Um, so yeah, just really liked it. I thought that was really well set up. All right. Uh, and yours? My thing. I uh, The moment... Okay, it's just like this really small moment, but I, I really, really love uh, the bit where um, where Vellison yells, like, Markle, like, show the man you can whistle. <laughs> <laughs> I just... That's my favorite moment. That was moment. so good. It's so cool. Um, I don't want to, like, describe it more than that because I would like anyone who hasn't read the book yet to get to experience that without just already having heard about it. Um, it, There's a lot I love in this book, but that's just, like, this tiny moment uh, that I I really, really appreciate it. Yeah, that was very good. That's great. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. That's definitely on top five things for me, actually. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, all right. Uh, I think that's it for A Strange and Stubborn Endurance by Foz Meadows. Uh, I I just, I love this book so much. I'm in the middle of my third read of it. This already feels to me like a book that I'm going to reread fairly often. Um, I'm sorry. I'm collecting a tidy pile of uh, gay men arranged marriage books. <laughs> and this hilarious. is going this is this is going in in that that pile actually um, i think both of the books we read today um i think i'm adding war girls to my to own pile and this one the only oh, nice. thing that even makes me hesitate is that it's so relationshipy yeah um but like I still may add it to the pile and just mark out the pages that I'm skipping. <laughs> hey, I mean, I've I've got a different. Uh, I think um, there's a different arranged marriage book that I have snuck into our queue, and I don't know. Maybe that one will be slightly more your speed to unambiguously enjoy. We'll see. We'll, <laughs> well see. I, I unambiguous. I I un- <laughs> it's unambiguous. I enjoyed this book. I just there's like four you- pages in it that I just don't want to. I just don't want to read. That's fine. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so thank you so much, everyone, for joining us, and we'll catch you on the next episode. All music used in this podcast was created by Nicole as Heartbeat Art Co. and is used with permission. Our transcriptionist is Heather. You can find her on Twitter at MamaDragon20 or on TikTok at MamaDragons underscore Den. We're proud members of the Certain Point of View network of podcasts. Check out all the Certain POV shows at www.certainpov.com. Please consider supporting us on Patreon at patreon.com slash books that burn. If you can't wait for the next episode and need even more book related content in your life, check out our book review 
review blog, Reviews That Burn, subscribe to the fortnightly newsletter, or follow us on the Storygraph. You can contact us by email at booksthatburn at yahoo.com and find all our links, contact info, and social media on our card, bookstatburn.card.co. Don't forget to subscribe to us wherever you get your podcasts. And remember, some books burn you.